Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie, our podcast here where we get you hyped for the sport of the weekend in association with Labrooks coming to you every week. And what a weekend of sport we've got coming. I know I say this every week, Mick, but I didn't for a few months back in March, but I'm back in full swing of things. This is back to 2019 levels of what a weekend of sport we've got coming up. But we really do have a ridiculous weekend of sport coming up this week. I feel like you've started the show with this nine times out of ten since we started doing the build-up, but I've been actually flagging Halloween weekend for a long time now. I mean, yeah. even listening to during the lockdown and listening to people talk about uh, hurling, you know, uh, different things. Oh, come Halloween weekend now, come Halloween night, and all. And you're thinking, right, it's actually here now. And not only do we have all of the hurling and all of the football and all of the soccer, the Premier League and everything else that goes along with it. Of not, not, not an insignificant weekend of Premier League action either. You've got like United and Arsenal. But you've also got Ireland all of a sudden with the chance to win the Six Nations. In a, uh, you know, like we all knew the Six Nations was coming back back. Like this isn't, this was news to nobody. But at the same time, until you were watching Ireland and Italy last Saturday, and saw the fixture list for this weekend where the three games are on in a row and we've got the full-on last day of the Six Nations with Ireland going in with a chance to win it in Paris. Did you really know the Six Nations was back? Because I was about I- to say, yeah, I was about to say, look, we talked, you say I said every week, what a weekend of sport we have coming up. But I talked about it last week that it was going to be a massive weekend of sport. And despite the fact that we actually do a podcast specifically hyping up how important a big sporting weekend is, I, I think we're best placed of nearly anybody in the country, Mick, to be prepared for the onslaught of sport that was coming. I still was sitting speechless and sort of chasing my tail at 3.25pm on Saturday when uh, Leash were two goals into a 3-3 <laughs> comeback against Fermanagh yeah. to stay up in Division 2. The Ireland game was starting. There were uh, goals going in in the Premier League. There was so much happening everywhere. And I was like, where, I don't know where to turn here. Yeah. And like, it's only going to be actually worse this Saturday. It's, it's actually, it's frankly ridiculous. It's the amount of GEA that's on, never mind the fact that you've got the Six Nations, never mind the fact that you've got uh, football happening as well. There's every, every place you turn, there's something else that's probably going to happen that's mad. Yeah, the GEA alone, like, I mean, we had Division 2 madness that we were all watching different games, actually chatting to each other on Saturday. I think me, you and Gary were all watching three different Division 2 games with our counties involved. And unfortunately, Claire survived, Mark, and Cavan went down. I just thought I'd say that. I'm very disappointed for Cavan. It's devastating, but I would prefer it than my own team. Uh, so all mad games there, leashed with their crazy comeback. But, like, whatever about the league, and I don't mean to dis- diminish it in any way, but... Come next weekend, come Saturday and Sunday, we're not only talking about football championship, but we're talking about football full-on knockout championship. There's going to be, yep. I think, if I'm right in saying this, I think there's seven teams or maybe eight teams out of the championship for good come next Sunday evening. And, you, to know, put it like this, it's what's it, 20 years since this happened, but just to reiterate, at the moment, neither Donegal nor Tyrone have started their football championship journey by Saturday afternoon one of them will be out by Saturday at like half three oh sorry Sunday Sunday afternoon Sunday at half three yeah like really early yeah yeah, so it's mental and then you have the hurling which is like all four provincial semi-finals are happening on the same two days like in the old days like that in itself would have been a bumper sporting weekend before you had anything else in like you've got like these are unbelievable games you've got Cork and Waterford you've got Limerick and Tip the two best teams in the country if you ask me going up against each other you've got resurgent Dublin against Kilkenny where you kind of have this feeling that Dublin could go out and cause a shock and then you've got Wexford and Galway which is genuinely like an absolute cracker of a game so and I think it was a draw last year as well so like I don't know my head is melted I have to say yeah it's weird to say that all those four games in the on their own are like all the half three in a Sunday game um, yes in or a general yeah, normal year yeah, Whereas the, yeah, or four hook yeah where these are like they're all, I think most of them are happening on Saturday, are they? There's one, I think maybe Limerick and t- uh, Tip is on Sunday, uh, and the rest, the rest of the Hurlands on yeah, they're Saturday. On Saturday yeah, and the course, so, and the, the uh, Kilkenny Dublin game isn't even on TV. You can watch it on GEA Go. 
But uh, but we're getting we're getting bogged in. We're spo- we're spoiling we're spoiling the rest of the show, Mick, because this isn't even our GEA chat. This is just the intro. There's so much to come. We will be talking about the GEA matches in more depth later on in the show. We'll also be playing our big shout your chance to win yourself two cakes and a sports biography. Mick had an absolute mayor last week. We could don't want to talk about it. <laughs> also, Mick's NFL picks will be back. Another mayor last week for that <laughs> one for Mick. Um, it wasn't my best week ever, Mark. I'm not going to lie. Again, the football this weekend will be taking a bit of a backseat. Despite the fact that Manchester United are playing Arsenal uh, in the Premier League on Sunday, but we will be playing one, two, three uh, later on. But first up, we're going to chat to Stephen Ferris ahead of Ireland against France. We've got Stephen Ferris, Labrooks ambassador, on the line right now to preview Ireland against France, the big Six Nations decider this weekend. Stephen, how are you? Not too bad. Ireland's going to win the Six Nations. Come <laughs> on, they're going to win on Saturday. They're going to get the bonus point. Um, England are going to get beaten by Italy. No, I'm only joking. Uh, they're not. <laughs> uh, yeah, but like, yeah, it's a big week, isn't it? It's a huge, huge week. Everybody's excited, looking forward to it. Um, I think Italy last week didn't really prove much of a test to to Ireland, and this week it's going to be a great challenge. And um, I'm just super excited to see how they go. Um, unfortunately, Gary Ringrose isn't going to make it. That's probably the only. Uh, black mark at the weekend there with with that injury. So yeah, um, hopefully we we get a good game of rugby this weekend. Definitely. If you're watching along, get your comments in for Stephen. If you have any questions, any views on the game coming up this weekend, of course, and we're hoping to get that the team may be named live as well as we're uh, chatting here, but we're not expecting any surprises there. Uh, Stephen, speaking of surprises, were you pleasantly surprised at just how good Ireland were at the weekend? Um. Yeah, well, like I expected Ireland to uh, to be good. I just didn't expect Italy to be that bad. Um, mm. I, don't, I don't know why, like because we've seen it year in year out. Um, they've lost twenty six Six Nations games in a row. Uh, their last forty matches, they've won nine out of the last forty international matches. Um, if they get beaten against England uh, at the weekend, that'll be five consecutive Six Nations where they haven't won a single game, and. Like, where is Italian rugby at the minute? I put out on my Twitter like that, you know, they are in a world of trouble. Um, and it's easy to say that, but international rugby is about winning and they just aren't doing it. So they've got to find a way, find something. Um, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago when I played against Italy, you were always knew you were going to be up against Castro Giovanni, Sergio Parise, um, a real big battle up front. And if you won that battle up front, then you generally edged out the game. And, um, I was actually just watching the other day when we played Italy away and Ron Nogar had that last minute drop goal to seal the victory and like that's just hasn't been the case over the last four or five years I, I think Italy are, are going backwards and it's not time for these four or five year plans that Conor O'Shea has tried to put in place and um, like it's all about the next game and trying to improve instead of trying to improve for four or five years down the line because that's not how international rugby works especially when you're when when you've got a, t- a team like Italy, if you've got a team like Eddie Jones does with, with England, then maybe you have uh, the bigger picture to look at. But as for Ireland, to go back to your your, your point there, I think Ireland were were clinical at times, um, room for improvement for sure. Jacob Stockdale looked like he was enjoying himself at fullback, like he did against the Ospreys for Ulster a couple of weeks previous to that. So it's brilliant to see a few guys in, in form. And everybody seemed to be enjoying it. Even though there was no crowd, um, everybody seemed to be enjoying themselves. Do you think the fact that Italy were so poor obviously encouraged Ireland to try a few things in the play? What was, at times, a very entertaining you know, style of rugby, something that we haven't seen too much of, especially in the, the Joe Schmidt area. I think Peter Amatini trying that offload for the last try was something that we may never have seen him try even before, and it was like perfectly done. Even watching a little bit of the Munster match on Monday night and the way they kind of were playing as well, it does seem like, I don't know whether it was just because you're playing Italy or whether Irish rugby in general, I suppose, is obviously they're all different teams, is maybe evolving into a slightly different and more expansive style of play. And is that something that you think we could look forward to? You know, it's a, it's a lot oh, different geez. to go and do it in Paris than it is against Italy and Dublin. Of course it is. Like, and would Peter Romani have thrown that offload if it was against South Africa in a World Cup quarterfinal in the first 10 minutes of the match? Absolutely not. Of course he wouldn't. But the game was over. Um, it was a lovely bit of skill. And I, I think I said to you guys a couple of weeks ago that people are writing Peter Romani off because he hasn't had a great start to the season. Got red carded there from Munster. Um, Keelan Doris has been fantastic. And 
you know, people have been writing him off, but I said to you lads that I definitely thought he had a part to play in this Ireland team moving forward. And he showed at the weekend he came on. He actually brought a bit of intensity to, to, to the game. Uh, and that brilliant offload. Munster were fantastic. Ulster, we know uh, they, they throw a lot more offloads than other teams in the Pro 14. Leinster, they just seem to churn through and go through the gears and, you know, more of that par game than offloading. Um, maybe that's something that Andy Farrell has talked about, about, you know, not playing with the pressure that maybe Joe Smith put on the lad's shoulders all the time about making a mistake. Um, I know, remember Sean O'Brien always used to talk about that, that, you know, there's always this fear of, of making a mistake and then, you know, Joe Smith bringing it up on a Monday review saying, what are you doing here? What are you doing there? Um, so, yeah, it, it was refreshing, I think, lads, and you'll probably be exactly the same. Mm. Um, uh, but I think flip that over to their defence, that was probably the most, um, the biggest thing that stood out to me and the improvement was their line speed and defence, um, how aggressive they were getting off the line. And it wasn't just individuals. It wasn't just Bundy coming up or... No, Guy Ringrose coming up when he was on. Um, they were as a unit, and that's given me confidence getting into this game against France because they'll put Entomac, Dupont uh, under pressure uh, and hopefully reap some rewards off that. The debutants mm. as well, that must be brilliant to see. You know, the three guys as well, Keenan and Ed Connors, and then obviously Bourne coming off the bench as well. Uh, they already played their part, and I don't want to hang Mick out to dry here, but uh, he's already talking about Will Connors as possibly the best number seven <laughs> ever for Ireland. <laughs> Ahead of David Wallace, are you crazy? <laughs> Thanks for letting me explain that one, Mark. <laughs> uh, he's 21 years of age. He had a good game against Italy. Like, you know, um, uh, I, I was chatting to a good friend of mine during the week and we like, all we do is ring each other up and chat rugby for like two hours at a time. Uh, I know I've maybe said this before on the pod and, He's like, Stevie, you know, you look at that Italian team and then you go, you look at the World Cup winning team for South Africa and you have Etzebeth, Malcolm Marks, Steph, Peter Steph de Toy, um, you know, Francois Stein, uh, Matt Pimpy, you know, just a different class of players. And I think it'll be a real challenge this weekend um, and it'll be a completely different game against France. But our, our Ireland... You know, yes, they won. They beat Italy by fifty points. But while we starting to talk about them now, just six or seven, or five, five or six days after a pretty comprehensive victory, as being, you know, somebody like Will Connors or getting man of the match as being like Ireland's best ever seven. You know, I, I think we're we're, we're typically Irish <laughs> thing to do is get ahead of ourselves. And, yeah. Um. It certainly, I'm going to give you a chance to explain yourself here. In a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but, but for sure, like, there's no doubt Will Connors has a big future in the game. Um. But like, you know, there's a long way to go in international rugby for him. And um, you know, Josh van der Fleer will also have something to say about that, as will a lot of other back rowers in Ireland. Yeah, I'm not sure if Mark misquoted me or I explained myself wrong, but I think what I was trying to say was that I I haven't seen a seven for Ireland play in that kind of way that like happens to us a lot of the time where the same guy is coming out of the line and stopping attacks at the point of origin a lot of the times that he just did it over and over again. I just thought it was refreshing to see. Obviously, we have to see him do it on a consistent basis before we uh, make outlandish claims. But I did actually think, though, that that is something that, you know, and it's not as if, like, we haven't had good performances from sevens, even in recent years, from, like, the likes of Van der Fleer and from the likes of Dan Levy when he's fit. But it was nice to see kind of that guy taking responsibility and being that full-on open side you know, dominant presence in 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 defence on the pitch. Yeah, and like fair play to him. He, he's done it pretty consistently for Leinster over the last couple of months as well in big games. Um, putting down Marcel Coutier at ease, who in my opinion is probably one of the best number eights in the world. I know I've said that on on a regular basis as well. Um, and he, he does stop the momentum of attack, like he really does. Uh, and a bit like Dan Lydiot, maybe, like in the 2011 Rugby World Cup, where him and Warburton, you know, just seemed mm. to go around chopping boys at the knees, getting lots of turnovers. I'm sure CJ Standers enjoying playing with them because uh, he can get in over the ball quite a bit. And then uh, Keelan Doris has a, I suppose, a bit like myself back then, you know, a bit more of a free reign where he can get his hands on the ball and, and make things happen. Um, so, yeah, I think at the minute it's a really good combination. Um, 
they're feeding off each other really well and they seem to be bringing out the best in each other. So, yeah, I expect the same back row this week. Yeah, I think I may have uh, intentionally left out mixed use of the potentially the best ever. Oh, <laughs> necessarily the best ever after fight, one game. Fight, 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 fight. An intentional misquote. The team has actually just been named. Uh, it is the same 15 bar Henshaw in for ring rows on uh, Saturday. And then the bench is Heffernan, Bourne, Bealham, Delan, uh, O'Mahony, Gibson Park, Bourne and uh, Chris Farrell. Uh, Stephen, have you got any immediate reaction to that? I suppose... Farrell on the bench ahead of McCluskey is probably the only one there that was pretty much up for debate. Yeah, well, I think that's uh, pretty much what I expected. I know we chatted just before we went live about who would be on the bench. And I think, unfortunately for Stuart McCluskey, yet again, he's he's a player that just plays 12 all the time um, and plays 12 very, very well all the time, um, but just can't get a run uh, in, in the Irish game. And the reason for that is because Bundiaki has been superb. Uh, he's been brilliant. He thoroughly deserves his place in the starting 15 for Ireland. And when it comes to that bench position, um, Farrell, who I played with uh, with Ulster uh, a number of times, has got that versatility. And um, he's going to slip in there. He'd be able to cover 12 or 13. Um, even if he had to slip in the fullback for some reason, he would be able to do that, where I think Stuart McCluskey would struggle at international level away from home against France. So, uh, yeah. It's as I expected. It's good to see um, that the same team's going to back it up. Uh, going into this game, it's hard to like. We talk about you know games week on week. Um, are you better off fa- playing a competitive game, albeit against Italy, or being in a situation where France are, where they've played Wales in a glorified friendly, really, but gotten a good win? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And with with no fans, with very little atmosphere. Um, I just I just don't know what to think of it all, to be honest. Uh, the, the French game, I thought Italy were very poor, or sorry, Wales were very poor at times, um, and France could have won by a hell of a lot more. France had picked up an injury in Teddy Thomas uh, for the weekend. He's out with a hamstring injury, so it'll be interesting to see who comes in and replaces him. There's uh, talk of another couple of players that might be doubtful, um, so that obviously plays into Ireland's hands. But uh, yeah, I, I think I would probably rather play in a competitive test match uh, to get yourself built up for, for the last game of the Six Nations. And again, that's uh, that's played into Ireland's hands. So, yeah, they'll be buoyant, confident after that result against it, even though it is Italy. Um, but it's exactly what the coaching staff, Andy Farrell, and obviously our captain, Johnny Sexton, would have wanted. And it's brilliant to see, just touching on Johnny Sexton, getting good game time. And his kicking was really accurate, uh, especially off the tee. I think he only missed one. So, um, yeah, bodes well for this weekend. Uh, and it's uh, going to be a very intriguing international test match. How? Where do you put this match in terms of importance? Because it, it's it's just an interesting one in that like it's, it's a weird Six Nations. It's also Farrell's first one. And we didn't have that great performance in Twickenham, which, you know, I suppose... If there wasn't this long break, it would have kind of put a downer on things before the, before the Italy game. And But at the same time, you're looking at a team that's a very much a mixture of new and old. They seem to have played some good rugby at times and we're coming off the back of a very disappointing World Cup and a very disappointing whole of 2019, really, not just even the World Cup. Like, for them to go to Paris and win, even if it means not winning the championship, you know, it really does lay down a marker that the team is kind of back and goes into what immediately becomes next season with kind of a little bit of uh you know wind behind their sails and ready to go on and sort of take it to the next step yeah and i think if they do win that will take them to the next step that will take them to the next level um lots of international matches coming up over the next couple of months three home games for ireland one away against england which will be another huge test um you look at the players that eddie jones left out of his side um, out, out of the squad, sorry, uh, that, that he selected. So much strength and depth to choose from. So, yeah, it's a it's a pivotal couple of months for, for, for Ireland and, and how they respond and how they back up performance week in, week out. They're going to pick up injuries. They're going to pick up niggles. Guys are going to get lose a little bit of form. Um, and it's how about it's all about how they react and uh, and bounce back week in week out. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm super excited about it. Like I think everybody is is excited to see international rugby back on the TV at a high level with something on the line that's ridiculously competitive and physical and attritional 
and we're going to see massive hits and we're going to see um some scintillating play that's that's why we're all going to tune in and watch it like so um yeah roll on the next few weeks and uh ireland have given themselves a chance that's what andy farrell would have said uh before the early game go out get the five points we'll go to france and we'll see what happens we'll roll the dice yeah, definitely. And we were just talking about that actually before uh, we were chatting this evening about how all of a sudden this is just uh, the Six Nations, Six Nations is back and extremely exciting. So it's prediction time heading into the weekend. We're going to know, obviously, by the time the game starts, uh, what Ireland need to do in terms of win with the score difference. Obviously, a bonus point win will guarantee us the championship. What is your prediction? Um, yeah, I think Ladbrokes, uh, the, the prices haven't been released just yet. I, I think it's probably going to be uh, five or four, five, six points um, in in France's favour. Uh, uh, the- yeah, they're just up now. They're four points in France's favour. Ireland four, are four uh, seven to five to win, and then four points to the handicap. Yeah, I wasn't too far away. You know, Ireland are going over there as underdogs. Um, I, I think just because of that result against Wales um, for for France. So yeah, it's going to be a tight game, isn't it? Um, I think the the blitz defence that Ireland have been using. Well, they used the whole time against Italy. I, I fully expect Entomac, Dupont to be putting chips in behind, keep turning this defence around, uh, where Italy just played into Ireland's hands, like, you know, and um, didn't offer anything in an attack. And then when they when they ran out of ideas, they just kicked the leather off it. Uh, and I felt for really sorry for Garbisi, the, the 20-year-old out half for, for Italy, because he just had to kick the leather off it all day. So I'm expecting France to come with different ideas, um, you know, a few starter plays, the way Joe Smith would have had Ireland teed up to to break down and get line breaks um, uh, against Ireland. And we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, do you know what? Uh, Ireland, there's there's a, a title on the line here. Um, if they get that bonus point, they win the championship. So do you know what? I'm going to put my neck on the line. I'm going to say Ireland are going to go and do it. And they're going to win the championship. And Andy Farrell's going to get off to a flying start. And that would tee everything up nicely. Um, and then we'll, after that happens, we'll be winning the next World Cup. Isn't that right, lads? <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> again. Again, yeah. And then we get to South Africa, New Zealand, the quarterfinal, we're, we're gone. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Well, I'm excited for it now. Thanks a million, Stephen. Thanks very much to Stephen. We cannot wait until Saturday. What a massive day at the Six Nations all of a sudden. Uh, we're very excited for it, and we hope you are too. Um, one, two, free time, Mick. Let's yes. talk about football for a bit. Um, okay. The Premier League, luckily, the Premier League was very, uh, they were very, what's the word, uh, accommodating for us last weekend in that there was so much going on. There was, the, you know, like we said, Ireland and Italy, there was uh, the Dublin leash game all happening at the same time as United against Chelsea. And thankfully, uh, uh, we missed nothing because that yeah. game was was useless for all intents and purposes. And the Premier League weekend in general was uh, was a bit of a damn script. This weekend, though, I'm looking through the games. I'm going to do the big shout in a few minutes. And I was looking through the games, and so many of them are so hard to call because there's yes. so, so certain teams that are in great form all of a sudden. First game up in 1 2 3 is the perfect example of this. 1 3, of course, if you haven't heard about it before, it's your chance to win 100 euro cash on labbrooks.com. It's a free game where you get to. Predict the scores of three of this weekend's matches. If you get them all right, you will win yourself €100 Euro cash. The first game up is Liverpool against West Ham on Saturday evening at half past five. Liverpool, who are maybe sneakily the best team in the league at the minute, although they're not, you know... Really, Liverpool uh, are nobody... sneakily the best team in the league. Yeah. They're, they're just... What do you mean? As in, well, they're, as in they're still, they were in, despite the they fact were, that they're in Yeah, as crisis. in they were in crisis. They were in crisis... Two weeks ago, or whatever it was, before an international yeah. break, after beating Aston, or losing Aston Villa seven two, they've come back. They haven't uh, blown anyone apart with, with their uh, <laughs> results. Obviously, with the Everton game, got the win, narrow win at the weekend against Sheffield United. The whole defensive thing, it's like, oh, yo, it was kind of like when Van Dyke went down injured. I went out injured, obviously, ruled out for the rest of the season. Kind of like, oh, that's Liverpool finished uh, for the season now, you know. But then everybody else has been stumbling ever since Man City looked like they could struggle to get into the top four and never mind win the league. So Liverpool yeah. are just trucking along, really. There's no, it's mad. Like you're talking about, like you know, maybe they gave us a bit of a weekend off in terms of attention, but you know, you can't have too many off because this league has actually got to be fascinating this year. It's like there's no unbeaten yeah. teams after six games. You know, like Everton and Aston Villa were both kind of humbled at the weekend. Now, we never thought they were going to win the league. But at the same time, they were the teams that were in form and they were the teams that were kind of showing the way. Both beaten. City losing, dropping points again. Like, 
it's so open. Like I, if I was putting a bet down now on who was going to win the league, I'd I'd bet on Spurs. Do you think that's oh, what yeah. I kind of? I really do. I, 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 t- I feel like I don't know. You know if Mourinho I, gets into a position as well. It's not as if he doesn't know how to win a league. I feel like that it's there for them. I think they might be not the best team in the league because I think City and Liverpool are better than them, but they might be the next best. And if the other two are going to be flopping around the place, why not? Like you know. But who knows? They drop points all over the place. Well, I, I don't know. I think I just watched all or nothing really recently, and I just have. <laughs> I watch Spurs matches now, Mark, and I know I'm going off at one, two, three here. But I watch Spurs matches now, and I get really upset that I don't get to see the halftime team talk. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what's happening in the beautiful dressing room in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, I suppose I'm talking about like, and I don't know if I'm even more than a property with the Liverpool thing. Is that is that that where it's like this league is so open and it could be anybody's, and you'll notice then suddenly by Christmas Liverpool are like points six points that. clear, yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, you don't yeah. know how it's happened. But I'm basing this off one win against Sheffield United, two in the Champions League, just for the West Ham match though, because I know you were going to get around to actually the surprising, insane, brilliant form that West Ham are in. But I was about to say, yeah, Fabinho, uh, we think tore his hamstring last night. Uh, you know, in the Champions League, they Matip is injured again. He might be back, yeah. but I don't know. He's been gone for three games, and Van Dijk is gone. They literally only have Joe Gomez as their only fit senior centre half. They'll probably play one of the kids, or I don't know what they'll do. They'll probably, uh, you know, would you bring back one of the? Would it surprise you to see James Milner lining James Miller centre half in the back four? <laughs> I think Jordan Henderson, maybe. Um, yeah. Well, but I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised to see Miller, uh, Miller in there. Because <laughs> even like, yeah, I don't know who else. Because Thiago's injured as well. Will he be back? I'm not sure. I'm not um, sure. But, but West Ham, this is the, as I was saying, this, this game, I got, uh, we both got very much distracted. Because what I was teeing it up, if you remember, two hours ago, what I was saying is like, these matches are so hard to call this weekend. Because Liverpool, you expect them to beat West Ham. But you can't expect anything with, with West Ham anymore. So who knows what's going to happen. This game could end up being 3 all. What a job David Moyes is doing. Like, let's be honest, because he is the type of person that you kind of naturally deride. And it's like yeah. it's like saying, oh, Big Sam has done a good job there. He's kind of fallen into that category. But he actually has done a really, really good job since since they were really threatened with relegation, like kind of maybe about five, six games to go. He's actually, since then, West Ham have been brilliant. Um, I still think Liverpool will win. Yeah, three one. I'm going one. for on one two three. I'm going to say a two one victory. I don't think they keep a clean sheet, and yeah, I think it'd be a bit, little bit narrow. I'm going to say two one. Uh, next one up is Newcastle against Everton on Sunday. This is another test, a good test for Everton away to Newcastle. Are they the real deal? Are after getting beaten by Southampton now, can they bounce back? Um, sure, half the team is suspended, uh, and the other half are going to get sent off because Carlo Ancelotti claims that everybody's out to get them. Um, <laughs> and it's, an exact, to get them. it's the exact type of game that Newcastle would get a result, isn't it? I don't know. Newcastle seem to get results at every kind of game. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you watched the game against Wolves, but how they got a result in that game? Uh, one all for me, and this one in the Duncan Ferguson derby. One all in the Duncan Ferguson derby. I find it hard to disagree with you. I think I might go one all as well. That was the one that stood out to me. I had it here. So I'm going to go one all. And then last one up is the big one, Man United against Arsenal at half past four on Sunday. I'm going to go straight out here and say, I think this is going to be a draw. I just don't know what the score is going to be in it yet. I'll think about that while uh, I'm going to uh, filibuster here, Mick, while you chat away. Hand over to me as I, as, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like uh, Arsenal will always let you down and Manchester United seem to will always let you down I wouldn't mind hearing uh, we should have got Kevin on for this one actually because I kind of this is the one that I kind of can see him going for an Arsenal win on I think I might join him I think Arsenal will win this 2-1 I think Arsenal here's the thing I'm worried about Arsenal yeah Um, oh no I don't think either of these teams are any good I thought Arsenal were going to be decent. We talked about the start of the league. We got um, going into it as well. I was like, oh, Arsenal, this is the season. And like, it is. It's the season that's completely open for them like, to suddenly make a burst and possibly challenge for a title or at least get into the top four. And three wins, three losses from their six, first six games. It's yeah. very inconsistent. Um, yeah, but they're going to lose to Dundalk on Thursday night, so they're going to have to bounce yeah, be- back. Uh, at Old Trafford, you know. Look, I no, can I just—I don't want to hedge my bets too much on this, right? But I am picking Arsenal to win. I think if it's a tight game, 
that's the time. You know, I think Arsenal could go 2 yeah. 0 up, United could chase the game, end up being 2 1. It wouldn't surprise me to see United win this game 3 0. It just wouldn't, an Arsenal team that just doesn't show up, the same old Arsenal, you know, and yeah. United just picked them apart, scored two, again, two early goals. But uh, I am going for an Arsenal win, but I'm just, I am hedging my bets there to say it wouldn't surprise me to see United kind of hammered. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm sticking. I'm going to. I'm going one all draw here. I think so. That's my my uh, predictions are two one Liverpool against West Ham, one all between Newcastle and Everton, and one all between Man United and Arsenal. And I've gone three one to Liverpool, one all Newcastle and Everton, and two one to Arsenal at Old Trafford. They're three good games actually. Well, there you go. You can play uh, Labrooks 1-2 for yourself. Get on to Labrooks.com right now. It's absolutely free to play. If you get one score right, you win a euro free bet. If you get two right, you win a five euro free bet. And if you get all three, you win 100 euro cash. It is time for us to chat a bit of GAA. GAA ta- time, right? Mick, I'm going to start this off by just taking you through. Now, these aren't even all the games that you can watch this weekend because some of them are uh, going to be streamed online as well. Uh, we're just going to take it through the games that you can watch this weekend, right? First up, Friday night, ladies, all Ireland Ladies Football Championship, Armagh against Tyrone on TG Cahar. Then on Saturday in the Ladies Football Championship, you've got Galway against Tipperary and Dublin against Donegal, both on TG Cahar. In the Ulster Football Championship, you've got Monaghan against Cavan on Sky Sports Mix. In the Munster, Hoard- Munster Hoarding Championship, you've got Cork against Waterford on Sky Sports Mix. That's those two are obviously double-headed one after the other. Then in the Leinster Hurling Championship, Dublin against Kilkenny on GEA Go, uh, Galway against Wexford uh, in, on RTE2, and Waterford against Limerick on GEA Go in the Munster Football Championship. So that's just Saturday, Mick. We move on to Sunday then, Munster Football Championship, Tipperary against Clare on GEA Go. I know you'll be watching that one. Connacht uh, Football Championship, you've got Leitrim against Mayo on RTE News Now. Uh, this will be like a, a who's who of uh, TV stations. Oh, that's uh, interesting. I didn't know it was on that. Uh, Ulster Football Championship, Donegal against Tyrone on RTE2, Derry against Armagh on BBC, Leinster Football Championship, Loud against Longford on Diego, Offaly against Carlow on Diego, Wexford against Wicklow uh, one week after the other on Diego, and then Munster Hurland Championship, Tipperary against Limerick on RTE2. So there you have it. Take Jesus, your pick. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Where do you even Can start ask, at that? Uh, well, the first thing I'm going to be doing is tuning into Mayo and uh, Leitrim on RT News now because what I really want to do is watch it on a three-quarter screen and also see that like, Bella has a shock in from in Fair City. <laughs> you know? That's the one you can keep up to date with everything else is going on while watching yeah, it. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the kind of thing you want. Headlines that kind of don't lead to a story and different things. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. It's bananas. Um, I know we think. I think we had that before when it was on, uh, like maybe the World Cup was on or something like that. But uh, yeah, Jesus, I like. We're gonna have to face facts, Mark. We're not gonna be able to watch it all, and that's before you even add in the Sunday game. Yeah, and that's before you add in the fact that, as we just mentioned there. not so long ago with Stephen Ferris that Ireland are playing France in the Six Nations decider that United are playing yeah. Arsenal in the uh, Premier League on Sunday there's, there's, lot, there's just a lot going on I don't know where to turn where do we even start analysing this pick a game here that you want to start talking uh, about let's talk briefly about the the hurlings of because we've already had some so what I'm interested in is a couple of things will we see like I did a piece yesterday on balls that people can read about the kind of the the rising amount of scores in the game over the past 20 years basically looking back on the sort of the averages in the Munster Championship over um, going back sort of to to, to 2000 the 60 scores um, in the Limerick uh, Clare game was the most that's ever happened in a Munster Championship I'm not sure if it's the most in overall but it's definitely a lot 36 points scored by Limerick is is the second most of points ever scored in a championship match and I'd be interested to see if the lack of crowds, the slightly off championship pace because of like kind of, kind of coming into a cold and obviously the evolving style that keep having, is this going to be a continuing trend in games like Limerick versus Tipperary when it's going to be a lot closer in terms of uh, competitiveness, you know, probably the two best teams in the country. And I, there's a part of me that hopes not as well because you just want to see, you know, the rest of the game that's there as well and not just a shooting contest from 100 yards. However, Tip and Limerick, they disappointed last year really in both of their matches in the Munster final and in the round robin. 
they weren't kind of what they've been. But actually, previous to that, Tip Limerick games have been absolutely brilliant for about four or five years now. And I feel like you've got Munster Champions versus All-Ireland Champions. You've got, you know, uh, Limerick with a game under their belt at a point to prove after not winning the All-Ireland last year, not defending their title. And I actually don't see a bigger game in the Hurling Championship this year except for the fact that you have got a backdoor in Hurling that's just going to yeah. negate it slightly, you know? But it's it's an unbelievable game. Will you see, like, is, you know, a lot of the Tipperary, a lot of the key Tipperary lads have been through really interesting club championships, like the, the McGraths, um, you know, got to the final, beaten, devastated by that. You've had kind of Brendan Maher on the road for nearly two years now, except for the lockdown, you know, with Bursley and Tipperary, everything that's been going on. I don't know. I'm I'm just so intrigued and fascinated by the clash of the two teams. Um, again, they didn't show it to us last year, uh, yeah. you know, and Tip weren't at their best in that Munster final in particular. Um, but I can't wait for that. But then all the other games are brilliant as well. Like uh, Dublin and Kilkenny, we don't know. We haven't seen, you know, outside the league, we haven't seen Kilkenny since that All-Ireland defeat, which is for 14 months ago now when they were poor on that day. And Dublin, I don't know, they're definitely progressing. The, the loss to Leash in the quarterfinal last year kind of makes people forget the fact that they got out of that Leinster Championship to beat Galway. That's a really good game. That's not even on full telly. That's GA go. Uh, you got Cork and Waterford. Again, everybody's been waiting for the bounce back for Waterford for two years now. You know, will it finally come? And then Wexford and Limerick, or Wexford and Galway. Like, what a game that is. Like, you know, they're yeah. two genuine All-Ireland contenders. And it's put aside. Like, it is really second billing this weekend. So that's just, and that's just the hurling mark. So I don't know if I've said anything other than just listed the fixtures there because I'm so excited <laughs> about them. I don't have much more to say. But, you know, the only so worry for me is that is it going to be, uh, what's the word? It's not even shadow boxing because some yeah. of it is going to be by the fact that, for instance, Tipperary against Limerick. How big of an uh, impact Limerick having already played a championship match is going to have on that? Are, are Tipperary coming in a bit cold to that, whereas Limerick are used to all this? I know they're used to from club games or whatever that yeah. play without crowds or whatever. But just as you mentioned, like I wonder, even with the fact it was such a high-scoring game, is some of that down to that lack that just wasn't that proper championship intensity to it? So players aren't getting aren't under as much pressure when they're actually shooting. I know that. Hurling scores are trending upwards in general mm-hmm. in recent years, but just that kind of accentuated last week because, and even when the game was kind of finished, you're, Claire probably thinking about the back door already, all that, and Limerick were just uh, you're taking shots for fun from their own half. And no, I think over. I think you're right, but I think there's also another element of it, which is that sort of up to championship pace that takes a while to get to. You know what I mean? Like it's like your teams are building themselves up for a lot longer than this normally when they go into like the first round yeah. of Munster. And I think there was that element of once t- like Limerick stepped it up a little bit in the second half and just blitzed Claire and it was kind of over. And what happens then is you have that fight for possession and three lads are just going to end up in space of 50 yards, no one around them and they're just going to put it over the bar. And that's not going to happen if a team is up to a little bit more pace. It's not going to happen as often, I would say, anyway. And what I would definitely worry from Tip's point of view, if this was later in the year and they'd all played a few games, you'd be thinking, geez, Tip would be a bit fresher now. They've had, you know, Limerick are playing back-to-back weeks. But at this stage of the year, you absolutely want to play back-to-back weeks. And if you think the second-half performance by Limerick, just in terms of strength and intensity compared to what it was in the first half, you know, that they're flying now. Like, they're already flying. And Tip are going to take the 35 minutes to get it. Like, it could be over at halftime, I suppose, is the other way of looking at it. And that would be great because then we can go and watch one of the other matches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping for a few months that are one-sided. It's somewhere where it'll be good. But like, I think then, uh, with that in mind, I think low-key, the best match of the weekend could be Galway against Wexford rather than yeah. everyone's thinking of Limerick and Tip. I think Limerick and Tip will be brilliant when it's potentially the All-Ireland final or semi-final uh, in December. But... Galway against Wexford, two teams uh, coming in now with the first game of the championship. They're going to be on an even heel, yeah. uh, and I think that could be that that one could be brilliant. That's at quarter past six on Saturday evening. Yeah, and you have a new manager in Galway. You've got uh, you've got them having got knocked out in the round robins last year. Kind of like you know, there's a bit of one last hurrah in Galway. I think as well, their their team is 
definitely need some new blood, but it's not to say that this team itself wouldn't be able to get to the well one more time versus a Wexford team who almost got there last year. Davey stayed on. You know, who knows what any of the preparations has been like. That's the only problem. We don't know the form line of any of these teams and we, yeah. we just won't until we see them. But that's the exciting one for me. Again, it's an, on a nice time as well. One uh, excuse, look, we talk about, you know, coming in cold or whatever. There's no excuse for any of the football teams um, given no. the last two weekends that they're going to be coming in at championship pace, you would imagine. And... Like it's just from the get-go. Obviously, this is straight knockout as well. So it's do or die. I just this again, is you don't know where to begin. The straight What's knockout the thing is every day. I'm realizing more when I when we talk about these games. So you're seeing talking about Donegal to Rome. Maybe we'll start with that one. But every day you're hearing a little bit more about that game. And every day, even though I know it, it's like we're talking about the Six Nations earlier. It dawns on me a little bit more that hold on, one of these teams are going to be out, gone by uh by the end of that game and we just haven't seen it in 20 years <laughs> and it's uh like they could have a classic they could have a Derry down 1994 first round uh you know classic here and then it's just a long hour wait for Donegal or Toronto to wait. I'm so excited let's talk about that match first actually Mark because <laughs> I got definitely I was going to do it in chronological order because Gavin was there first but go on <laughs> okay well let's let's pick one highlight and then go chronologically through yeah, we, 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 we don't have something to say in every game to be honest but like watching Tyrone at the weekend and suddenly you have McKenna and Canavan into a team that we already know well during the All-Ireland final two years ago they've been there or thereabouts and you're like shit, this is the most exciting team in the country. And whether they actually are or not, or whether they're actually that much better than they would have been, just having two forwards that are already famous and exciting. And it's like when David Clifford came into the Kerry team, suddenly you just wanted to watch them a hundred times more. And he didn't let us down. And these two, after, you know, just one game, two games, haven't let us down so far. So, like, if they can have a big performance again... It's suddenly just like say this Tyrone team are so exciting. What they needed was to add a couple of forwards. Yeah, that being said, let's not forget that I think an awful lot of people are forgetting that based off some like incredible highlight clips from McKenna and Canavan. No, yeah. Tyrone played Donegal two weeks ago yeah. and were beaten. Without and Connor McKenna. Yeah, uh, Don McKenna was playing. Was he? He came yeah. on, didn't he? He started. He oh, was. He? Okay. Uh, remember him and uh, Michael Murphy when two and a okay. immovable object uh, meets a unstoppable force. Oh, the um, big bruise on his yeah. arm! Did you see it? So I didn't see the bruise. No, but oh I heard wow, still. he has got a big black bruise from his shoulder to his elbow that came from a Michael Murphy shoulder. There you go. Well, this yeah. look. They will. I would. I would. It's weird he showed that off because that's going to be. That'll be like the Sean McMahon thing from. There's <laughs> <laughs> not much to show it off. He, like, there's no way I did. Like, yeah, I suppose that's true. Well, I suppose he could have not worn a t-shirt. Bandage up the yeah. bandage up the other arm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like Donegal, I think are a good outside. I think could be a good outside uh, shout to win this All Ireland. Um, right. Although Tyrone could be as well. Whoever wins this game, it's just <laughs> this why it's so good. <laughs> but like whatever about all the stuff that there was to play for in the league, and I think watching it on 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 um, Saturday, especially with the Division Two stuff, you see how much it does matter, especially staying in divisions or getting promoted. But at the same time, I think the Donegal and Tyrone, like they want to get up to. They they were very much thinking of they're playing each other again in two weeks, you know? And yeah. I think that it's very hard to take too much from it, you know? Um, that is to say, like, I wouldn't be necessarily backing against Donegal either. I'm just talking about my level of excitement to watch it. It's actually one of those that we like, we can talk about odds and we can talk about good bets. And I think you've got a few games in your big show. For me, there's one or two games that I don't really, I just want to watch without having to, you know, and I think Tip and, Tip and Limerick is one of them. And I think Donegal on Throne is the football equivalent of that. It's just a kind of a big clash. I don't really care who wins, but I'm really yeah. intrigued to see who comes out of it and what sort of level that they're going to be at. Definitely, just as a neutral. But like, it is interesting we we say like um, that you know the winner there that are a good outside shout for the All Ireland because at the minute I was just looking at it here and it's disappeared from. My uh, screen now, uh, but we get it up in one second. Yeah, there we have it. Donegal are ten to one to win the All Ireland at Labrooks.com. Tyrone are twenty to one. So wow. we're saying it's impossible nearly to call this game. Yet Tyrone are twice the price that Donegal are for the All Ireland yeah. overall. So yeah. that's just an interesting one going into this weekend. Uh, as you mentioned, the other why did you say? Mm. Uh, 
I think if you look at Donegal closer in recent years. Yeah, Donegal. But you look at their. Well, Donegal beat them last year, wasn't it? Um, and then you're looking at um, an outro not about the year before, if I remember mm. rightly, in the first Super 8s year. And then I suppose just the fact that Toronto went into the weekend where they could have been relegated. Um, yeah. Whereas Donegal yeah. have rested players as well. You know, but again, it's it's a straight knockout. It's not like you're going to get, you know that you've they've got a mad long run, whichever to get to the non Ireland final. So it's just an interesting one to keep an eye on. Whoever comes out of that game. Uh, the other matches, obviously, this weekend. Uh, a few, few interesting ones. I'm going to talk about my big shout later on is uh, Derry against Armagh is a bit of an intriguing one. I just, I, it's again a very attacking team against a Rory Gallagher team. You don't know what, what's going to happen there. Yeah. Um, I watched Armagh the weekend, obviously against Clare, and they're just uh, they're a team that for 20 minutes of the 70 looked absolutely brilliant and when Claire but they were really poor the rest of the time you know and Claire kind of just like stayed with them uh, not as talented a group obviously um, and Armagh just went to sleep disappeared for I, I remember there was one of the rare criticisms of Dublin in the early days of their thing is that they would have 20 minutes where they just wouldn't play Armagh seemed yeah. to have about 45 you know where they just were barely playing football but when, I have to say, Mark, sorry, the, the reason I'm making this point was when they turned it on, especially towards the end of the game, I think they kicked, um, Reno O'Neill was unbelievable and kicked, I think they kicked five points from play in the space of about seven or eight minutes and they were scintillating. And I was like, Jesus, there's a good few really good players here. And it would be yeah. to see them all come together. And maybe, they're, maybe they were very aware of the fact that they've got championship this week as well and were picking their shots, you know? Uh, the other one then obviously that's a big one is Monaghan against Cavan local derby yeah um, huge first game up of the weekend as well am I right in saying this is a big one have you have you actually got into obviously I'm thinking there's, it's a massive one but have you as a neutral got big interest in it yeah I always think that this is a this is a big one I have to say that Cavan's form has def- if this was happening this time last year or not this time last year, but this stage of the championship last year, I think there would be slightly more interest. But Cavan does, does seem to have slipped away somewhat. But that could also that could all be smoke and mirrors. I don't know. But um, for me, oh yeah, of course it's a big match. Like there's always a natural from an outsider point of view the uh, the, the the border county rivalry between the two. Uh, the opposite colours always work well together. I think as well. You know, Mark, uh, these things are important. And yeah, like I mean. Am I looking forward to watching it as a spectacle? No. <laughs> Am I looking forward to watching it as a contest? <laughs> yes. And I hope that Cavan stay with them. I think they definitely will. If you look at Cavan, like, I mean, I was working on Saturday and I had to write the article, which was incredibly cruel, about uh, <laughs> at the end of the leash game and Cavan getting relegated. And it was particularly difficult to write it when you were sitting there speechless for half an hour. I didn't know <laughs> what to do or where to turn. Because with a few minutes to go in the Roscommon game, Cavan had brought it back to like two or three points. And I started Googling how we could still get promoted because uh, I was like, geez, if, now if, if uh, Clare come back against Armagh and Cavan finish this, well, Cavan are obviously going to finish this comeback and going to beat Roscommon. That's the way this is going now. Anyway, we could still end up in Division 1. And then the Ireland game was starting and I looked at the anthems or whatever and Cavan game was still on another screen and then someone mentioned it was like, Jesus, that leash comeback. I was like, sorry, what? What? Where is this? <laughs> but anyway, it, my point being that if you actually look at the table, the Cavan all right, they've lost, you know, they've been relegated or whatever. I think their score difference is minus four. Uh, it's the fourth best in the division, uh, yet they finished seventh. Like, they've lost an awful lot of close games. The close game that they lost to Clare, obviously, is the one that uh, yeah. was the reason that they've ended up getting relegated. So I think they, I don't think there's going to be a whole pile between these teams. Yeah, without jumping into it, though, there might not be a whole pile, but, you know, you are playing against an established Division One team and an established Ulster final, Ulster champions team. And you know, even if we keep it, if you keep it close, you would expect as a neutral, from my point of view, Monaghan to be on the right side of that. You know, again, yeah. if you're just picking the teams, but yeah, I think from a, from a people tuning in for their insane week of GEA uh, and this being the start of it, you want Cavan to kind of continue that and at least make it a contest. Yeah, I'm going to pause the conversation here, Mick, because it's time for our big shout, which will feature guess what? More GEA. <laughs> Right. Hold it! Steady. Just hold it, Alan! Push him out! Steady! David, don't! Get round! No, no! Don't! Bloody! 
Yes, Big Shout Time, your chance to win two cakes and a sports biography by correctly sending us in a prediction for the sporting weekend that's 25 to 1 or greater on labbrooks.com. And by correctly, I mean that it actually comes off. Uh, you can send it to the gaffer at balls.e, put the big shout in the subject line, and if it comes off, you win yourself that cover the price, two cakes and a sports biography. Mick, you did the big shout last week. You got everything wrong. I'm not even going to go through them all because it was a shit show, to be fair. Uh, so I don't this know, has that ever happened before? I got a football. I, I got two footballs, a Gaelic football, a hurling, and the rugby. I had five bets. Not one of them were right. Yeah, what was particularly uh, impressive was the variety of sports you managed to be wrong in. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just one thing. Uh, do you know but what? I'm, I picked second cabin to win. I should have. That, that that was the, the beginning of the your, end. That was your first mistake. Uh, this week, I'm back in the hot seat for our pick, uh, and I really, like, as I was giving you abuse there, I started thinking of Jesus, Mark, be quiet here now, because you could be back at the receiving end of this come next week. Uh, and like I said, more GA chat. So I'm going to go through my GA picks on this first of all. It's a, it is a five-bet uh, accumulator that I've got uh, going here, and uh, it's four GA and one football. So Donegal against Tyrone. As I mentioned, I don't understand fully the hype around Tyrone into this Donegal game and that I know it's very exciting watching Canavan and watching uh, McKenna and I know Canavan wasn't playing against uh, Donegal a couple of weeks ago but that being said I still think Donegal are going to win this game and I think they might win it by more than a point uh, the handicap is minus one so I'm saying Donegal minus one at six to five on labrooks.com that's starting me off Mick right the next one up Kilkenny against Dublin I'm going for Kilkenny to win seven to two on not the biggest shout in the world but it, it's one of the Ones that gets me over the line. Yeah. Uh, don't the be, next don't one. Be bet, don't be banking on that one. That's all I'll say. Derry against Armagh. I was looking at Armagh halftime, full time. Don't need it anymore. I'm just going for Armagh to just about win it overall. Uh, so, again, it's, it's a hard one to call uh, because I think Derry could stifle them for a while. We yeah. just talked about that game, but I think Armagh would eventually win it. Armagh are 2 to 1 on to win. So I'm adding Armagh to the list. Yeah. And I then like the that. last one is for the GA is Tipperary against Clare in the Munster Football Championship. Clare buoyed by staying up. Clare are eleven to eight to win this. I think they want to do it. Really, eleven to eight? Yeah, I thought that was mad price. Well, I think they will be tip. Yeah, it's a good so game. They, Could be close, but I, I yeah, Jesus. Um, uh, and it, that, so that that's that's the only one that's uh, kind of they're the outsider in. I suppose Donegal on the handicap as well is a a bit of a big shout as well. But uh, mm. it's the Clare one, and as a Clare man. I'm talking to the wrong person here to uh, to to, yeah. to give me kudos for this pick, but I think you probably agree with me. Uh, I do, but that doesn't say anything after what yeah. we saw last week. It's also the fact that it's, you're probably not looking at it going. Oh, I also geez, haven't I seen much of Tip. I have to be honest. I was about to um, say you're not yeah. looking at it going that. Geez, Claire definitely going to be Tip. It's more just looking at the price and saying that's an interesting price now for Claire. And then three-year uh, Division Two team now as well. Claire, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Um, and then Man United against Arsenal in the Premier League I talked about earlier on on 1-2-3 I think it's going to be a draw a draw is 5-2 to two. if I add that to my four uh, GA picks that brings me to a five-fold accumulator of 28.39-1 on Labrooks and with my uh, odds boost it brings me up over 30-1 to one. okay right. you only have to get over 25 so that's good to get over 30 um, the one thing I'll say about Kilkenny and Dublin Mark it's just the one that scares me there it's the, it's the shortest odds you have it probably is going to, you know, get over the line. Just, just remember, again, Dublin are almost being measured on the team that lost the leash. But in the Lens Championship last year, they beat Galway. They had draw. I think they drew at Wexford, and they should have beaten Kilkenny in the first match. And that's the one that's sticking in my head when you said that's yeah. the banker. And Dublin should have won that match. They absolutely should have. Now they didn't, you know, and that happens a lot of times when it's when it's underdogs as well, is that the favourite kind of finds a way out. They played, they're in the same boat as uh, as Limerick we're talking about against Tipperary. They played last week and Kilkenny didn't. So just anyway, one to watch. I I I, I want your I want your big shout to come off for God's sake. <laughs> Some of us finally have to happen. do it. Yeah, you've scared me now. There's nobody I can really switch to. You could switch like I think they might be the shortest odds of any of the hurling this weekend. Uh, I could be wrong on that. I think but, be, I'd say, yeah. Uh, yeah, Cork are four to nine. I'd get away with that one with Waterford, but I don't know what to expect from that game really at all. Um, Waterford have won, uh, haven't won a game in the championship since 2017. Or they made the final in 2017. 
And weirdly, it'd leave me with better odds. Yeah, however, <laughs> we, we know the talent yeah. that's there as well, you know, and they've got Liam Cattle in, uh, you know, new manager. I can't, I, I'd say stick with your decision. That's your big shout. I'm just, I'm just, I'm talking to the yeah. listener here, Mark. You know, they've big, they've big shouts to make too. Yeah, the other one actually that's just an interesting one is 13 to 8 for Limerick or for Tipperary to beat Limerick, defending all Ireland champions. Liam Sheedy going for a technical three in a row. But anyway, that is it. That's my big shout as a technical three in a row. Uh, that is my big shout. It, uh, Donegal minus one, Clare to beat Tipperary in the football, draw between Man United and Arsenal, Armad to beat Derry in the Ulster Football Championship, and Kenny to beat Dublin in the Leinster Hurling Championship. If you have a big shout of your own, send it to the gaffer at Ballsari. Put the big shout in the subject line and send us what the odds and your picks are. If it comes off, you can win yourself two cakes in a sports biography. Also, of course, if you are having a bet at the weekend, please do gamble responsibly. You can visit dunlewy.net for more information. It is almost time for us to go, but just before we head off, Mick is going to give us his NFL picks. NFL picks time, and I am not going to make the same mistake as I made last week, which was complimenting you, Mick, on uh, how well you've been doing, because that clearly got to your head, and you went 0-3 last week. Yeah, the big shout screwed me, you see. It just brought me negative momentum all the way through the show. So I have been going very well on my NFL picks. I am still in the black for the year, Mark, but, you know, that wasn't uh, a good week. I didn't, nothing worked out well for me. It all ended with the Bears not... Uh, putting up much of a fight against the Rams on Monday Night Football, which I'd picked and uh, just was disappointed. But actually, best NFL week of the year by miles, if you take away my stupid picks. And <laughs> it was, if, for those of us who watch Red Zone, uh, one, it was the clocks go back and not over there. So you have the five o'clock week, which means yeah. that you get, to, you get to watch a little bit more. And secondly, it was, it was the most dramatic end to about four of the games. Uh, the best one, of course, being... Uh, the Atlanta Falcons, we talked about them on the show, throwing away, finding new ways to throw away games. If anybody didn't see this, this is the maddest thing that could possibly happen in sport even. Todd Gurley, their running back, was running through. Basically, they had enough time to have a winning field goal with three seconds left of the clock. The game would have been over. And Todd Gurley runs through. The Lions let him through. He realizes he shouldn't score a touchdown here. It's the worst thing he could do. <laughs> And he tries to stop at the line, accidentally goes over the line. You have the defensive players making the touchdown motion to the referees. <laughs> of course, they get the touchdown. Of course, the lines go down the other end and score a touchdown and win the game. <laughs> and it's like, it would have been funny anyway if it didn't happen to the Atlanta Falcons who find new ways of uh, yeah. throwing away games all the time. But then because it happened to them, it made it even funnier. And that was just one of a few things that happened. Anyway, so yeah, I, I also uh, I watched uh, I watched we talk about entertainment's sake. Instead of watching Red Zone, I watched uh, the Forty ers against the Patriots, which was oh, wow. incredibly Terrible. dour. Yeah, really it was game. horrendous. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, the Patriots are gone actually, and let's show them in because I have two games marked off that I definitely want to do, and I have another two that I'm unsure about. And what I've never done on this podcast is pick against the Patriots because you never know what's going to happen with them but I have watched their last two games now and they are just because you never know what's going to happen against them it's because you're like Mark Lawrence with Liverpool and his uh, uh, football focus okay. <laughs> Premier League predictions you're just never as a Patriots fan you don't want to yeah. go against them but also they've won their division 11 years in a row or something like that so it's not as if it's not as if I'd be wrong many times but uh, they're playing against the Bills this week your beloved Buffalo Bills um, Buffalo got you know made hard work of the Jets actually last week, but at the same time they're minus four and they should be about minus seven or minus eight given the form of the two teams. But because it's the Patriots, everybody is scared and therefore it's a very generous number. This is a really poor team. Cam Newton wasn't able to throw the ball ten yards at the weekend; like he was absolutely terrible. You saw it; he was taken out of the game. That's it was yeah. kind of a sad thing to see, really, and. I think the Bills are just a way better football team than the Patriots. And unless they blow it, I can't see them not winning it. So I think minus four is very generous. So I am actually have to go against the Pats here as much as it breaks my heart. Um, one other one that I'm not going for here, Mark, but I actually need to mention it is the Jets are, are away to the Kansas City Chiefs and Paddy Mahomes. And the spread is minus 19.5, which I've never seen before. And we've been, I've been doing they this could, in one form or another for about seven or eight years. They beat the spread for the first time all season last year, last week against the Bills. They're one and six against the spread, which is ridiculous. But I kind of, yeah, I'm way, I'd be way too afraid of going. Like anything could happen 20 points, like 19.5 is insane. Um, so the other things I'm going for then is the Packers with Aaron Rodgers 
Um, really, really good form, even though they had one bad game uh, against the, the, the Bucks a couple of weeks ago. They're at home to the Vikings, who were just off a of bye week, but not really in great form. They're minus six and a half. I do. I think that the the Packers um, could win that game quite easily. So I'm going for the Packers minus six and a half. I'm going for the Bills minus four. Two home teams there, and then I'm also going for another home team, but a home underdog in the Denver Broncos. We beat the Patriots a couple of weeks ago. Oh, the Denver Broncos. I know. Yeah, nobody wants to be the Denver Broncos, Mark. But they're um, they're at home to the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, who generally find ways of winning close games. They're, they're kind of like the Falcons, except a little bit less funny. Um, and the Broncos are plus three there in their mile-high stadium in the altitude of Denver. And I fancy them to at least make it a close one. Well, there you have it. Go through your picks very quickly there again, Mick. So Packers minus six and a half versus the Vikings. The Bills minus four versus the Patriots. And the Broncos plus three versus the Chargers. Hopefully you have a bit more luck this week than last week. But that is it from us. It is time to go. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoy this bumper weekend of sport that is coming up. If you are having a bet on any of the sport this weekend, uh, please do gamble responsibly. You can visit dunlewy.net for more information. Please also subscribe to the show if you've not done so yet. You can find us by searching The Build Up on Balls ID and all good podcast apps. And if you would leave a rating and a review while you're there as well, we'd really appreciate it. But until next week, mind yourself.